What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains language and themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome to the Busted Barstools. You are joined by Beric, the coach, the doctor, and myself. How are we, gents? We all good? Hello. Yes. Hello and good evening. We're very well, thank you. Bonjour. Don't you speak for me? No, I'm just thinking that I looked at the listenership and we've none in France, so I thought it might, if, I, if I open my bonjour, we might get a couple. You know, it's it's due to their high level of surrender, coach, that they don't listen to uh, who are yeah. it's a podcast. Well, look, I need um, to try something. Gonna kick things off with a little bit of good news. Good news story for these lads. Um, oh, I think I know where this is going. Okay. Um, so the Florida Ironman was on this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> and one of the finishers was a gentleman by the name of Chris Chris Nickich, and Chris Nickich is the first person with Down syndrome to ever complete an Ironman. So that was quite a good feel good story, and uh, what a champion that blog is. And does he listen to the podcast? That well, he is now because we've called him out. <laughs> that is a really good feel good um, yeah. story. Put us in a, as opposed to like wanting to knock the head off each other, and we just put us in a, a good mood to begin with. Let's see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's wishful thinking. Yeah, forty-five seconds in, I'm sure there'll be a, there'll be an argument somewhere in the next two minutes. Yeah, possibly. So, uh, what do we tune into this weekend, lads, and and catch the eye? Uh, uh, it wasn't a great weekend. I didn't think. Yeah, I haven't said that. West Ham one one nil. Did you see the penalty? Did everyone see the penalty? Did you see it? Um, it made CNN. So they were still tallying qu- quotes, and then it just said breaking news: ninety eight minute Paneka. Oh, sources yeah. don't know why. <laughs> Christ on a bicycle! It was very poor. It's just a. It was just a bad effort. Like I'm, I'm happy bad, you're talking about effort. it now, like because I was gonna bring it up in the bad or the ugly, but woof. Yeah. What do you like? What do you do with that? We can save it till then, if you want. No, no, because I've, I've ruled it out, but what do you do with okay. that? What does he do? Where does he go from here? Like, he is so lucky that wasn't in a stadium of forty or 50,000 people. Like, they'd be baying for blood after that. The Fulham fans. It's also slightly ironic, his, his surname as well. Yeah. Look, man, what a miss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's tough, really, you know, like, yeah. very tough. Yeah. Like, surely you have to give yourself the best chance of scoring, like, do you know what I mean? Like if you're taking a 98 minute penalty equaliser, rifle it down the middle. You just have just blast it, like yeah. Because even if like it's very like even if say the keeper was standing there and it hit off him, like there's more chance of fucking hitting off him and going in. Or coming back out for a rebound, yeah, like or coming out exactly, yeah, as opposed to fucking just. But it it was so blatantly obvious as well that he was doing it, like he like. There was no subtlety in it whatsoever. Like his whole body curled up, and then he like he like just shifted at it. Like it was horrific. It was so. Bad. I wouldn't say Scott Parker Rumor is has a good it. person to deal with after something like that. Oh no, no, massive fan of Scott Parker. Big Brit, God bless him. So that's what you're gonna say. The rumors going around. He's still lying. 
lying on the pitch in the field position, <laughs> trying to get over his miss. Like I just, I just think the logic behind it. Not only the the game situation, but you're a side that's going to sh- seriously really struggle to stay up this yeah. year. Yeah. You need every single point you can get. I can't see him on penalties ever again. Do you think no. there was a? It, it was a massive, obviously, ego moment where he's like, "I'm gonna look class here." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Look, or as as it goes in, you add five million to your value, don't you? So. Yeah. Like, has he gone? Fulham probably going down this year. If I, yeah. if I pull this, now's my time. <laughs> and that's why he's playing League One next year, so, or um, not playing at all next year. Is he? Where's he from? I don't know. I don't know an awful lot uh, about the Fulham squad. Or was there not another fella called Luckman that played for Everton? No, it's not the same fella, is it? Coach. Couldn't uh, well, Luckman. Sorry, apologies. I was look, looking up Luckman there. He is. He's born in London. He's yeah, born in London. Yeah. So. <gasps> maybe maybe he's a West Ham. Maybe boy. he's actually a West Ham fan. He's come in from Leipzig. So big big. Uh, you know, big reputation. But even he's only got eleven games there, but from um, Leipzig, yeah, is that right? Back. With a new <laughs> jersey from the three bus to Barcelona, <laughs> from the bus to Barcelona. So I'm still saying three bus to Barcelona. Yeah, that's okay. Not to include yourself. It's like the month of January when you'll be writing 2020 instead of 2021. Um, oh, we'll just move on from that slide. Um, Maybe it's what yeah. I'm really hoping we can just get back to being. The original tree. It's not though, because I'm. At, I actually got a, a text from a friend of the show there the other day talking about uh, the the beef between me and the coach. I won't have it. So there is no beef. We're pals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just brush by that real quick. <laughs> Likewise, I, I got I got a, a text also. Look, yeah, they just don't. You, you can't handle the heat get out of the kitchen. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? What was what was the quote? Uh, no one complains about Shannon not liking Skip. You know? That is, yeah. Smart fella who said that. Yeah, it's just genius, I think. Ahead of his time. <laughs> a visionary. <laughs> anyway, why don't we kick into the first... The first Claxon. Um, We're going straight in. Oh, it's, oh, it's me this week, isn't it? Yeah, oh, geez. A little, um, little bit of a twist this week it. as well, as I've changed the klaxon. So, when, when, we, when oh. the first one goes, you can decide what sound it is. Maybe if you want to let me know, so... God, that sound that we had for the last two weeks it was like I was hearing it when I was like going to sleep and all yeah. it was like in my brain yeah. just waking up in cold sweat yeah like. it, was a, it was a tough old sound I actually live near a quarry and at half two every Friday a klaxon goes off warning all the local neighbourhood that you know they're going to do a blast and that's what I'm hearing so I think I'm hearing a doubly now <laughs> does, does, does Fred slide down the back of the dinosaur yeah. as well <laughs> Sounds like the, the stay alarm music. No, no, it's more like you have three lads on the doll whipping around on uh, electric scooters, but look. Yeah, nice! <laughs> before we get into that, Claxon, did you see the video of uh, the young Flint's town? On oh, the, the guy on the bike. Have you not seen that? Fuck, Dan, you're recording me. <laughs> he's whipping around on those electric scooters and there's some guard on a bike chasing around behind him no, he's like, come here, come here. I'm, I'm 14 and you're chasing me cop on to yourself <laughs> and he's like going in and out of like flower pots and the guard is on the bike chasing him and it, like people put it to Benny Hill music because obviously what else did you put to it but like yeah. it's great to see fucking guards and the girl they out in force and, and doing well 
Yeah. <laughs> Coach, are we ready to go? I'm going to start Beric's clock in three, two, one. We're going. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of go the same way I went last week. I'm going to pose a question to the squad. First thing I'm going to just talk about what went on. Um, my pick of the week this week was Devin Haney and Gamboa in the boxing. Devin Haney won, kind of just outclassed him, really. Devin Haney's only 21. He's a very, very good boxer. Um, Gamboa. 38 Cuban, very kind of like crafty boxer. Um, he's had a rough go now. That was Devin Haney in this fight, and then he got knocked out by Gervonta Davis in his last fight. So I reckon that could be the career um, gone. Well, not gone, but maybe, like we were saying last week, could be time to look at the other retirement. Um, I know people are probably going to say that I keep on going on about this division, but there's just fights I want to see. Do you know what I mean? There's fights I want to see. So that's Gervonta Davis who won recently, Devin Haney who won last night, Timofimo Davis or Lopez that won two weeks ago and now Ryan Garcia just has to win and then they need to just do like a four-man tournament of these lads. They're all in their prime and it'll just, it'll give a bit of life to boxing again. Um, Kind of the same way that when AJ and Fury and all started kind of progressing in and there was big fights there to make like boxing hasn't had big fights in a good couple of years really that any that like mainstream people cared about like you know what I mean like you can argue Pacquiao Mayweather but probably about five years too late really Um, as well as that the UFC was on this week Um, who was on oh uh, Glover Share beat uh, Tiago Santos last night he is 41 which Again, kind of kicks back to what we were talking about last week. When you look at him, he's forty-one and on a four a six-fight win streak now. So, like, like we were talking about retiring when you get to a certain age. If anything, that's proved that it is a kind of a case by case basis. Uh, Andre Arlovsky was also on the card, who I think is forty-three. Like he was the UFC heavyweight champion in like two thousand and five, and. He just fought there again. Like, this is second time fighting this year, 15 years later. So, it's case by case. Um, mm. You can just be a, an absolute savage mutant and, and just take abuse all your damn life by the looks of things. Um, the question that I'm going to pose out to the gents, um, I don't know if you have seen, but Deontay Wilder has been kind of coming out recently with some outrageous excuses um, for why he lost to Fury. Uh, it started off with, I don't know if you've seen the fight, he came out in this, he always kind of like dresses up when he's walking out, Like so he, he came out in this big fucking, I don't even know how you'd describe it. Is the question, what would we dress up as walking out? No, it, it, <laughs> I know what it is. He said the suit was too heavy and that's was, why he lost basically. Originally, was like a originally he said, yeah, it was some stupid thing. And what would you dress up as? <laughs> um, he he, yeah, he said he originally said the suit was too heavy, um, and that's what kind of ruined his legs. He said he had no bounce on his legs trip for the fight. Kind of went quiet down for another couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, then came out and said that Fury had like weights in his gloves, and that's 
how he knocked him out. And then the other day, he came out and said that his trainer had poisoned him, as in had a muscle relaxer in his war, and he gave him throughout the round. So, like, the question I'm going to ask is, is, and we can we can bring this back to a broad stroke of sports, how do you feel about people making, like, you know the way people make excuses after they lose? Like, what's your stance on it? Like, you know the way, like, because sometimes, I'm not saying now everybody is at Deontay Wilder's level of the ludicrousness, but, like, um, I know, say, when McGregor fought Mendez, he had a torn ACL. And I remember John Cavanaugh saying at the time, he's like, if you do fight with an injury or with an excuse or whatever, no matter if you win or lose, you should never mention it because you've made the choice to say fight. So what do you reckon on a say, where do you stand those on excuses for losing? If you know what I mean? It's, it's definitely a case by case basis. Mm. And I think it always looks like sour grapes. Like I think to be fair, the year the Cavs lost to the Golden State, this, the year with like the J.R. Smith, fuck up in game one basically LeBron came out afterwards and says oh I've actually been playing with a broken hand oh yeah I do recall that and it, it was just a poor look now I agree with what you've said about John Cavanagh in that win or lose don't admit to it but like if the story breaks oh so and so has an injury and they're managing it to play that's fine if that makes sense but and I understand from a fighter's perspective you're never going to say Oh, by the way, I'm going into this fight and I have a dodgy knee because yeah, you don't yeah. want to give a weakness away and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think what John Cavanaugh said there is, is probably the best. Is just don't, don't. If you win or lose, don't because if you win, someone else is going to break the story for you. They're going to say, "Oh, Jesus, how good was he?" And and not alone that he three he three bones broken in his foot, like Khabib was in his last fight. Yeah. Like, yeah, Dane will yeah. break it, or the media will break it either way. And then you just look, it kind of cements your status as an all around badass. Yeah. See, it's kind of different in team sports, isn't it, really? Like, you can't say, like, I suppose no one's going to turn around and be like... Yeah, we lost because the keyboard shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose they are kind of, aren't they? Like, but I say that as well. Like, every interview should just be like Erling Haaland. Just straight, straight answers. Yes, no, maybe. I think so. I think not. Whatever. But... I think it depends, as Sasquatch says, I think it depends on what they said. Like, there's an element of excuse where, over the years you would have heard probably Pep or Klopp or someone like that say, you know, we just weren't ready. We're not We're not there. We're not fit enough. We're, you know, we've only been a team for X men. And that, I don't, I kind of uh, appreciate that or whatever. But when you're coming out going, oh, well, I had a broken hand or bone in my hand. Like, and stuff, stuff like the water bottle, if, put your money where your mouth is and you know, bring him to court over it then, if that's the case. Otherwise, you're just lying. Yeah. Do you know what I, mean? I actually like, think he is bringing him to court. Is he? If he's bringing him to court, so, fair, yeah. fair dues. And, like, mm. <laughs> um, but, but I could bring you to court, though, just because, like, do you know what sorry, I mean? Sorry, if he goes to court like, and wins, you'd be like, Jesus, there was something in that. But because he's coming up with three or four now, like, why did he wear the suit? Yeah. Why, why is that an excuse? Control your controllables. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You could control that. So, like, why did he wear it? He knew how heavy it was going to be. He just, he just always does it. Like, yeah. I think what his original problem with it was, is they were, he, he put it on, he puts it on, say, just before he walks out. Like, he always kind of has, like, it's never the same one. It's yeah. always like a mad fucking 
robot-y looking thing. But I think what his issue was is there was a delay in the start of the fire. So he like put it on for too long, and then and then ended long. up having to sit in the back for forty minutes with it on. I'm like, but then you didn't even question it. Like that's not a high performance boxer. That's an entertainer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but that that's what high high level boxing is, though, Nick. Well, then don't get entertained. I don't know. I just think that's bollocksology. You know, it's probably a silly thing to do. Like oh, on reflection, <laughs> obviously. Like, I don't know if you're if you're I don't know Anthony Marshall. Are you gonna get ready to walk out for your night with a pair of boots that are too heavy? You're not gonna do it. Like, I actually it's I actually remember though. what it is now. He wore that thing because it was on black history month or something it was something to do with like black some form of political stance which quite strong if on. you will like which he is quite strong on like i used to love all that but i just think like you can only have so many issues before people are just gonna go like oh this fella is talking mm. again do you know what i mean like it's just like please stop like is is it an ego thing though like is it a case of like we all know fighters and boxers have tremendous egos and they have to um, for their own sake and is it a case of he got beaten by Fury bearing in mind say the two years Fury had prior to the fight and he can't this is the process. this is the rematch now we're talking about yeah I know yeah but he can't fully process that he was beaten by this man do you know what I mean and, yeah. and he has to find an excuse and it's getting more and more ludicrous but he actually just can't say do you know I what lost, Be- yeah. Better man than I bet. What does he want ultimately? Does he want the rematch? Like, what is he actually looking for with these excuses? See, this is the thing. There is a rematch clause in the contract and they're meant to have a rematch. Okay. So, like... But to me, I, from I, the outside I, looking in, it looks like every time I see Fury on social media or whatever, he looks like he's getting better with age. Mm. Oh, yeah. 100% he is. Like, he moves like kind of no other boxer. Like, you know, well, no other heavyweight boxer. Like, he's just so light in his feet now. But, like, Wilder has never been the most technically good boxer like he's ne- like you never go in there well there's no he, technician like he just knocks people he, dead like he was quite late coming to boxing though wasn't he I, I think... he he has a daddy story he came into boxing because his daughter has um oh what's that thing i can't think of the condition it's it's like your organs and stuff start shutting down or something MS? um or... is it ms or Maybe it is. I can't think of it. I'll have to look it up. Um, so that's basically what he done. Like, so he was just like, I, he used to work for like FedEx or something. And he was like, I can't get enough money for her working here. So I'm just going to start boxing. And then he got, after a year and a half training boxing, he got a bronze medal in the Olympics. Like he's a freak. Like he just has unbelievable power. I think but, he told that on Joe Rogan. I think that story. Yeah, he did. Uh, but he was, he was kind of found out. Um, not found out, I suppose, but like, he didn't look himself now, I will say, give the man the benefit of the doubt when he did fight Fury, but like, I just, the excuses now have kind of wore thin for me. Like, at the start, I was kind of like, oh, you just, you know, you just kind of, when you like me, you just kind of let it go. And now it's like excuse three and excuse four now. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. What was that noise? What was it? And that's the end of the round. <laughs> give me that noise once more. <laughs> I think the first one might have been better <laughs> and that's saying something <laughs> look this is what we're in this is the week that we're in you know Sli- a slightly <laughs> okay. different better trip and tumble this week yeah but I've I've taken on feedback from 
friends friends of the show yeah. who say they tune out <laughs> when I talk about fighting. So I like to get the guys involved now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, no, it's very interesting. You know it's, who you know who you are. Point. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it is a very interesting point, though, and I do understand we come like that's and that's not a fighting specific issue. I think it's just on an individual sport when that a person keeps coming up with excuses. It's it's all the more glaringly obvious, I suppose. I also think um, it's something that we'll see in the UFC going forward, possibly, because it's becoming more and more like WWEF a lot, and I think. If McGregor continues to, okay, he but he might have a fight this year or whatever, but or sorry, the early part of next year. But anyway, if he starts to disappear, and we, we're we're starting to get kind of three or four disappearing of like main names, they're gonna have to inject something in because it's getting a little bit stale, and all these storylines, and I just think that's we might end up seeing a little bit something like that in UFC walk more to the walkout. Is I suppose what I'm saying. You wouldn't Same know though. It could go the other way of the professionalism and mm-hmm. be more like the Premiership and just be like, You'd hope there's so. games, every, there's games every week. Just like, okay. you know what I'm saying? It just goes on. I'd love to like, see that. Like no a, to... I know we have our rankings, but more of a league table, tournament, these style of. Uh, yeah, see, Bellator used to do that very well. They used to actually do. Well, they still do them. Actually, they do like tournament formats. Like, so, like I suppose you know who you're fighting. Say, say if if. Yeah, yeah. In a month's like time, you be yeah, whoever yeah. you know who your next round is, like which is, it's kind of good, like. And if they could, like, maybe find a way of actually being able to quantify who the pound for pound best fighter is instead of just making wild, ludicrous claims. I don't know like, if they can though. It's it's the same as the. It's, it's do you not think it's the the Messi Ronaldo argument, the Jordan probably. LeBron argument? It's, it's gonna change between fucking whoever you talk like. Yeah, but look, yeah, some very interesting points brought up. Um. I like it. Um, I'm, I like that. I like it. Um, good to go. If you want to start the the clacks, give you Sasquatch, you are on the clock. Okay, mine is a strange one. Um, it's gonna heavily influence kind of four bits bits of information. So I'll list them all, and then we can probably get to the discussion because there's two points to discuss. So the first one being um the significant other got a Wenger's book. Finished reading it the other week. Um, and I'll just quote something from that book. Um, Nor am I... Well, let me see if I can find the actual go. be a good start. Um, no, uh, Nor am I sure that a manager nowadays could have overall management responsibility for a team like Arsenal and choose his players in the way I did. Um, and then obviously you've seen... I don't know if you've seen during the week. Bill Belichick has come under a bit of pressure... First kind of poor season in a while. Um, a lot of people are calling for his head, not as the coach, but he also doubles up as the GM. Um, so I suppose what I'm getting at there is I want to kind of query, do we see kind of a shift in power of the first team coach and his role almost relinquishing? Like, I mean, you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at United and it, it very much seems as if he's not picking his players. He's been given players. He doesn't have this overall control that You'd arguably say Klopp has at Liverpool, or has had anyway, in his five-year tenure. Definitely doesn't have what Ferguson would have had in terms of control. Um, are we seeing a shift with the role of a first-team manager or coach just being on-field performance and not kind of squad management or selling a buy-in of players? Is that kind of um, more heavenly 
influenced by people higher up the operational um, chain. And then the second piece that kind of I, I decided to bring in was, I don't know if anyone reads the Atlantic, there was a fantastic article about two weeks ago on Ajax and the model they've adapted. So basically, in 2015, Holland fell outside the top 10 in the European coefficient, which meant that even if you win the edge of Visa, you're going to have to go through at least one stage of qualifying. So what they started doing is they adopted like a game theory model and their budget is based on Europa League. So that's just to stop um, you there, budget. for the listener, that, your average listener, um, game theory. What is it? Um, so that, I suppose. Game theory is like a statistical, economical, philosophical model based on decision making. So, so similar to Murray the first thing you make. Elements. Sorry. Elements um, of Moriball. Elements. Well, game theory can, can cover war, business, or game of football. Um, the first thing you need to know is what type of game you're in. There's two types of games. There's finite, um, which would be a game of football. So you have set rules, known players, and the object of the game is to win. Or there's infinite, an infinite game, which has known... Uh, Changeable rules, known and unknown players, and the object of the game is not to win because you can't, it's to keep playing the game or maintain your relevancy. And that's kind of what a lot of professional sporting organisations are in. No one can win the Premiership every single year, but the objective is not to be a Portsmouth and get to the FA Cup final and then go bust. Um, so they've adopted a model where the budget is based on Europa League squad because, worst case scenario, they'll finish first or second. And they'll be in the Europa League. Or they'll be in the Champions League. And you've definitely kind of seen that in 2019. They got to the Champions League semi-final. Fortunately beaten by Spurs. They have sold, I think, seven or nine of the 14 players involved in the two legs. And have made a profit of £184 million on those players. The most notable, obviously, being Frankie de Jong. Went to Barcelona for £82 million, Was purchased for a euro. And... Um, there's one for you there. So basically what I was I was querying is the diminishing role of coaches. Are we now getting to a stage in sports where clubs are buying players as assets as opposed to actually always thinking about performance on the field? Like you look at United, Van de Beek, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, arguably are all three of the same ilk. But what United actually really needed to buy this year was a defensive midfielder. Like a Thomas Party. I know he's only played one or two games for Arsenal, so I might be jumping the boat. Um, yeah. I think so. <clears throat> just when you say the um, about Ajax there and and kind of making the 184 million, I don't know if I'd want that to be my club. Like, Ajax is such a club steeped in history. Um, you know, winning the era of this era, Vidice, and, you know, um, Europe, being in Europe the whole time and all this sort of stuff. I know they have to, they've had to adapt, but you think of every coaching program probably anyone's been through in football. It's all been a lot. Well, sorry, a lot of it has been brought back to Ajax and what they done years ago and in Holland in general. And now they're turning to a club kind of like kind of like a Brentford, where you work players up, make a profit, and go again. Now it's just a feeder club, isn't it? Like the way Southampton was. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. But is that not a day not playing the game as best? given the cards they were dealt. I mean, 
no matter what they do, like they will always have to qualify for Champions League until obviously Holland get back up to where they should be in the world rankings. Mm. Um, the Edge of Visa is never going to be a Bundesliga, a Premier League, <clears throat> La Liga. Does that not drop you down to it? Does that not drop Ajax out with the category of say your Barcelona though? Because Barcelona aren't ever going to be a club that you know build players up just to sell, and it seems like that. What's Ajax will be doing? I know you're saying the card they dealt and stuff, but do you not have to stick out strong and hold on to your van, your your uh, Donny Van de Beeks and your? Do you know what, do you know what I mean? I I do get we come, but I think they're making the best. I I do think they're making the best mm-hmm. of what they can do. I don't think we'll ever get to a stage where someone will go, oh, do you want to watch United Chelsea or PSV Ajax? You're probably still going to watch United Chelsea, even though it could be a pure game. You'd still rather tune in. I don't think it's going to be... Like, you might maybe say, it's United-Chelsea or it's El Clasico. Do you know what? United on poor form, Chelsea on poor form. I might actually stick on El Clasico. Yeah. Unless um, you want to be in poor form, I wouldn't watch El Clasico. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, no, I know it's dropped in in the past couple of years, but say four or five years ago. Before, sure before diving was a thing. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but your first point, Sass, I think... Uh, I'm just thinking about it there while you're chatting. Um, I think it's going to be the first club that gets the balance right. And I think Liverpool are probably evidence of that last year, probably getting the whole system right with Here, Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> so they've, they've obviously got Michael Edwards, who's doing a great job at selling players that are probably don't fit into the plans anymore. Klopp is 100% obviously having input into who he wants. And you take that and play it against Solskjaer, who seems to just, as you said, get given the players and he's got to coach them. Mm. Um and I, if you look around, like I don't think Arteta is going to be like that. I think Arteta is definitely going to have input into who Arsenal bring in. Similar with Lampard, if 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 he's not being telling, if, he, if he's if Lampard's not telling the board the positions, he's definitely having input into what players it is that he mm-hmm. that he wants. And it just doesn't seem to be happening at United. But I'm sure the doctor will have an opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I I, I, I don't. Unless he's broken. I'm a fucking broken man now with the way things are going at United. Um, I don't think Solskjaer picks the team at all. To be quite honest, um, I do think it's all, all fucking the people in power up at top saying who we can and cannot play, and what kind of formations uh, like that. I mean, Van de Beek could be a good example. They paid forty million quid from, and he's been on the bench nearly every game. I don't. I think he's only started maybe one or two games the whole season. He started one in Europe, did he? I think that was it. He started one in Europe, and, and I think he started one the Premier League as well. <clears throat> um, and a lot of onlookers. Uh, a lot of fans are saying the same thing like the fuck you pay 40 million for and leave him on the bench when you've two fairly similar players mm. in Fernandez and Bogbele like. yeah is he I don't know if it's different to Pogba and him no hmm I'd say Fernandez is kind of a different player to to him and Pogba to Van der Beek and Pogba I'd say him and Pogba are very similar um, yeah. Well, yeah. Look, which I'm, I'm probably... you can kind, but you could nearly argue in the sense that they bought Van der Beek to shift Pogba in, in January. They probably won't. Yeah, though. probably. But it, 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 it could give them. I know. I know. Like, there's been a, a lot of big money signings, um, even in this window. But I mean, a club like Chelsea, much as Frank Lampard spent, I mean, Chelsea kind of have the money. You know, Abramovich, I'd say, fucking. Well, what's his worth, like 10 or, or 12 billion or something like that? Yeah, but they had two years to save. True, <laughs> yeah. actually, yeah, yeah. That's Do you know, true. like, when you think about it. There's a big benefit to that thing for Chelsea was that 
Jody Morris was in the club, um, who's now Frank's assistant. And he's known basically every player that's gone from through the academy because he's had the 23s for the last three or four years. Mm. So it's been a massive asset. And then Frank's obviously coming from Derby, knowing, I think he had a couple of players in loan and stuff like that. Like, there's, there's massive, they, they're, they're reaping the benefits now, I think, of, of mm. what what you can take out of a two year ban. Like, yeah, yeah. Years, I suppose. Like, he had to, like, Frank was in the position really where he, he like, there was no, no bailout for him. If you, if you know what I mean it was literally just like these are your players make make them play do you know that kind of way but I think as a result of it he was also kind of well look if it, if it doesn't work out we're not yeah, going to yeah the safety net really didn't he like it kind yeah. of uh, like like I can play Mason Mount and I can play Tammy Abraham yeah. and I can play these lads like having said that Mason Mount actually is a very very good player yeah, Tammy Abraham's probably, not bad yeah. either like so like it, it worked out well for him, but like like I suppose like you said, if those two boys had been dirt, Stalkers, yeah. he, he would have had yeah. the he, he'd have had the benefit of the doubt to just be like, ah yeah, but you're on the back. Do you know that kind of way? So mm. I, I suppose he had the best of both worlds there, really. Like, yeah. Um, they need to. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Please, lads, go on. Continue your point, Beric. I'm just there. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there um, on over a little bit. I can't even remember the point I was going to make. It was basically, it was about, like, I think we need to get to a stage again where it's just like, I think people in clubs need to know their role, if you if you know what I mean. Like, like the, the, I suppose like the, the way Solskjaer is, like we'll, we'll use, you know, for an example at the moment, like, like you can't just go, like, I imagine Solskjaer's goal. Like, you don't know. Solskjaer might be a bit of an Egypt of a manager as well, but like, we'll give him the benefits out here. Like, he could be going to them being like, I need a hold midfielder and I need possibly another centre half. We'll say for argument's sake. And your man goes, yeah, no problem. Here's Van de Beek. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, the, the kind of stage of owners going, and just willy nilly buying people and being like, yeah, you have you have to play these people. Like, it's it's not gonna get the clubs like United in this particular case out of the rut that they're in. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like there's no point in having a manager that can't manage the team. Like, I would say, do you know, do you know kind of like, see, like, what's the point of them? Why not just not have a manager then? Yeah. Because think, like yeah. what what are they doing? Like to put a definitive tell the lads for, in my opinion to give a definitive answer to the first one, I think we've seen the end of the manager. And I think we saw that when mm. Arsenal changed the role from team manager to head coach. I think if you look outside of sorry, if you look inside the top ten in the Premier League now, I would say that no person leading a team there is a manager anymore. They're all head coaches. From Klopp mm. down, Brendan Rogers, uh, Ancelotti, all like if you're telling me they're all having input into the players come in but they're coaching the team do you know what I mean mm. they're not like Alex Ferguson was the manager I suppose would be the way yeah. to put it and he told the coaches what they were delivering Rogers on the pitch Klopp's on the pitch Ancelotti's on the pitch um, you, know, you know what I'm saying and the other side of that is I would I would say when you think about it Ferguson's probably managing every, everything right down to what meal they're having and, and the, another thing about Ferguson is like if you want to attribute maybe one thing to his success, he changes assistant manager every two years. Yeah. New fresh ideas, get them out, get them in. He never did like I know he never did press conferences, obviously because of what the BBC did to his son and stuff like that. Um, but 
he'd changed, he'd Carlos Cueros, he'd Mike Phelan. Every two or three years, he's changing it, new, fresh ideas. It didn't matter how good United had gone in those two or three years. He was like, yep, yeah, no, nope, new new voice, new new, new ideas. Yeah, he was a manager, wasn't he? He was, yeah. he was a manager. And he, and he didn't put up with any shit either. Like, oh. You know, I think Solskjaer is, is too much of a, he's kind of like, fucking nice guys finish last. And yeah, like just a- run amok. He, he needs to... It's not really in his nature. I know uh, Rio Ferdinand was saying that actually last week. You know, we kind of looked after his own game when he was a player. Nice guy. Not a bad thing about him. He needs to kind of... When you're dealing with the likes of Pogba, who half arses his performance, and when you're dealing with uh, Mason Greenwood, who is a really, really, really promising talent, but he's acting the bollocks left, right and centre off the pitch. He kind of needs to fucking roll the sleeves up. You know, I, I can't see Maguire hands. still being captain after what happened to under Ferguson. Do you know that kind of way? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, he'd like, he be sold, like, out the gap, yeah. like, good luck. Whereas, from, from what we've seen from the class of 92 since they've retired, <laughs> maybe Ferguson did an incredible job, especially what you look at what Giggs has been accused of in the press and stuff. I was just about to say that. Class 92, <laughs> well. black and blue. <laughs> And I think we'll wrap up the first half and we'll return after a quick word from our sponsors. Hi everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Tree Busted Barstools podcast. This episode and all episodes in season two are produced in partnership with the Square Ball. The Square Ball is located just off Marion Square. It has dozens of screens showing televised sport and award-winning barbecue, making it the perfect spot in Dublin to catch the game. For more information or to book in, please visit the-square-ball.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome back to the second part of episode 9, season 2. Three quarters of the way there. Well, um, half. Yeah. <laughs> season. We're not doing 18 episodes. No, 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 we're not. We're doing 12. I thought you were talking about segments of the show, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I failed leaving Oh. Anyway, um, I think next up, it's the good, the bad, and the the fucking ugly with the coach. You're on your own time now. On my own time. On your own time. time. Um, okay, so I'll start my own clock. So the good, bad, and the ugly this week, fellas. The good. Um, Alex Cora may not ring any bells um, in your head, or it may. Um, he was uh, the Boston Red Sox manager, if we're coming back to Sass's, um, you know, uh, story earlier on. but Boston It's Red always Sox- full circle, isn't it? Always, it's always full circle. Always. He was the Boston Red Sox manager and originally left by mutual consent um, after the whole Astros uh, sign-stealing debacle um, in Major League Baseball. Um, so... Basically, what the kind of the accusations were against the Houston Astros is that they had a, a center field camera um, behind the pitcher, um, and that they would read uh, kind of straight away or live of what the catcher, the guy who stands behind the batter, 
what what you know signals he was making um, with his fingers or with his hands or whatever to the pitcher to try and um, read what the throw was going to be. So the Astros coaching staff obviously <clears throat> were suspended and left the job because of this. And Alex Cora, as it was a couple of years later, was with the Red Sox and he he left as well. He stood down from his role. Um, the Astros then were fined $5 million and they were made forfeit their first and second round picks in twenty and sorry 2020 and 2021. Um, now, all that aside, the strange thing for me in all this is that it was never actually a rule not to be allowed to do all this. It's more kind Friend of done upon. in good faith or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's seen as, <clears throat> like like baseballers themselves see it as the art, an art of the sport um, being able to read, you know, signs and stuff like that. But um, it's kind of frowned upon to record with technology, if that makes any sense. So what yeah. I want to know is, is it a case of this is really good analysis, which is what I think, or do you think it is cheating? So it, it was basically slated as cheating, essentially, by everyone else. Quite weak on baseball. Apologies, um, just to stop you, but the good story is actually that Alex Cora is now rehired as the Red Sox um, as of yesterday. So sorry, I, I forgot. To, I left the actual good news part out. Yeah, but, I, I seen yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get one bit of good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seen that. Good news. I, Alex Cora is rehired as the Boston Red Sox team manager. Sorry, go ahead. I Scott. seen that, and I also listened on audiobook to Astro Ball, um, okay. which was the story that was released before <laughs> the bad news broke um similar to moneyball and they were relentless in their their analytics approach and stuff so they they probably are good it's quite similar to spygate with uh new england and stuff like that again it's it's not a definitive rule but it's it's a bad look it's a black eye for the game and stuff and that's why they were so harshly punished i think i think even if you're not a baseball fan you've seen that thing with joe kelly throwing the pitch at the players and yeah. getting ejected it's a strange one um in relation to Alex Cora, money talks and winners get paid. But is it... Okay, question to the table. Is it... Do you see it as cheating? It, it Well, it's hardly cheating. I, I would imagine... Like, I know like slim to nothing about baseball. Same. Apart from the fact that just from watching films and you see it on telly and all, like, you know, they be putting their fingers down like a two or something yeah. i i imagine that like a, if you put your fingers up say as a two like that that's not an like a all-around sign for the same pitch would i be correct no, I, i'd say it depends on the i team. imagine each team has their own yeah, so two call might be a fastball or a curveball or a yeah. ball or whatever you want to yeah. splitter yeah so surely then i i would sit on the side then it's not cheating because you could like is it they say to take it to NFL. If you were to, if you were playing say Kansas City on the Sunday and were to turn around and you were watching, like people watch tape mm. on shit, like, like, and if someone was to go, oh, when they're running a slant, say for Tyree Kill, Mahomes calls seventeen. So when you hear seventeen, you know. you know what's what's happening. Yeah. So surely it's the, it's the same, no? And I like, think I, would, is that not just good analysis? I, no? I, I think I agree with you, coach. Yeah. yeah, big time. I think it is, but I know baseball people are disgusted. I, I'm not sure the ins and outs. I think it was more the manner in which it was done. I think it obviously was done previously, like see, uh, stealing signs and stuff like that. But it was picked up by the players 
they just added a new level of it. it was been beamed and I think it was actually on a tablet on the, uh, in the in coach's dugout in the ball pen like to, instantaneously to kind of to obviously as I said it's it's not a rule in 2017 though after the Red Sox allegedly used a smartwatch to steal more signs uh, the commissioner warned that all teams would face uh, more serious sanctions 2019 then they went one step further and introduced officials to the replay room the replay room is an eight second delay to the coach and staff of either team that they can watch um, and the the official themselves watches it live so that's I think that's quite interesting so they don't actually use their own analysis which is which is a bit odd but I think around the table are we all in agreement that good analysis like they're five million fine which probably isn't too much but None. <laughs> forfeit their first and second round picks for two years that's um, serious and like on the Astros like their level of analytics was unreal they picked up a pitcher his name escapes me um, he was a relief pitcher for the Mets um, and they worked out the rate his curveball oscillated would make him the fastest pitcher in the league but he never got to throw a pitch, uh, curveball as a relief <laughs> pitcher they signed him and he was one of the key pieces in their championships so their level of analytics was off the charts. It was like complete new age. It was phenomenal. Um, so it probably was just good analysis. Interesting. No, it's 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 a hundred percent good analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, they, I don't think there's interesting to note that no player was got any sort of ban or any sort of um, recognition in, in the whole thing, which I think is very interesting. The bad news for the week. Looking for a big impact from the doctor here, given that it, his name. Um, Wada issued an apology to Mamadou Sako of Crystal Palace this week for a thirty day ban he received in twenty sixteen. Um, in March 2016, you remember uh, Mamadou was missed uh, kind of the back end of the Liverpool season, um, Europa League final, and then therefore missed out on the French Euro 2016 squad. Um, Which day <clears throat> What I want to know is what is enough compensation, or is there enough compensation for what he missed? Surely Liverpool got plenty of compensation by him not playing, being a very, <laughs> very average footballer. Can I really say that they needed him in that Europa League final? They were short defenders. So what? Wada, explain that again. Sorry, did so you Wada basically issued an apology this week um, okay. to Mamadou Sacco and a compensation package. Um, so uh, I want to know: is is there enough compensation to miss out on the back end of Liverpool season where they were in a Europa League final that debatably you could have changed the game, and also to miss out on uh, France's twenty sixteen Euros squad? A once in a, a lifetime result. opportunity would be for him. Yeah, it's yeah. A, kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, you, is there enough conversation? What was the story? Did he miss a test or what? No, they miss, misinterpreted his test results. Uh, apparently, it was he was on fat burners, and whatever was in the fat burners led to a, a false negative, yeah. a, a false a positive. Do you want to call it that? Did they release the amount of compensation yeah, that he got? Um, was, no, he, they, was it financial compensation or was it an was, undisclosed was, fee? No, there was a disclosed fee. So I want to know, is there, what, what would you, are, well, number one, what would you be talking in the region of? And number two, is there any amount of money that, you know, can make up for that? That's a kind of a tough one to answer. <sighs> in terms of, like, in terms of a financial package... I mean, is there examples of it happening before where someone is being heavily... There's no examples of actual payments. I actually have an example of his. Um, Yoel Romero was by USADA obviously flagged as taking performance enhancing... I don't know, I can't... The actual drug escapes me, but it was from a tainted supplement and he ended up proving that it was from a tainted supplement 
sued the company and received 25 million in compensation but he didn't wow. he didn't claim he didn't receive it he didn't receive it but he was but he never got anything from USADA did he well I suppose it wasn't their fault see it's not USADA's fault yeah. Wait, on, on, on the other side of that though you have to remember Saka missed out on that French squad who lost in the final of the Euros and they lost. again another final he possibly could have made a difference in Oh, you've also, did, well, you did he receive a runner's up medal I, you could argue <laughs> yes, it's in the potion water <laughs> he went to Palace shortly <laughs> thereafter did he not he went to Palace that summer yeah there were, you know even as a Liverpool fan I don't know what happened behind the scenes but there seemed to be some animosity between, between himself and Klopp on that tour in America but if he had a good Euros if he'd done well in Europa the club chased him would arguably been been bigger and it's also a huge reputational damage like he yeah. was labelled a cheat and that's mm-hmm. whatever about having a bad couple of weeks or being a limited yeah. player to be labelled a cheat is it's a hard one to would you say to finish shake. just to round it up from a yes no answer from the table would you say that he is what are indebted to Sacco for the foreseeable or the rest of his career uh, I wouldn't say so or he um, gets a get out of jail card no I don't like what what in the name of Jay's is a professional at least taking a fat burner for? Mm-hmm. Is what I would t- is the first thing I would think. And like he's not a boxer, like, he doesn't need to make weight. Like not, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's so you can look good down the Coca Cabana when you're yeah. rocking around your speedo. Do you know what I mean? Like not for fucking. It's it's not. It's probably not a performance enhancer anyway for football, but a lot of those things have. Like there is stuff in them, like do you know what I mean, like things like EPO and stuff. Roy, like Roy Hodgson he- mustn't have a fat club, just like Pep. <laughs> there you go. But uh, but I mean, like a, a lot of that, not a lot of it. Obviously, if if the thing is false test, it's a false test. Mm. But I would put a bit of that on Sacco now. Um, yeah. As a professional athlete, you should be knowing what's going. As a professional here, athlete, with like. having your meals made for you and having a, probably a club nutritionist on board. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's very silly. But look, I believe it was his. It's just wife. a stupid thing to do. Like. His wife's as well. If you're to read into into these things online, it's meant to be one of his wife's fat burns. <laughs> so the anyway, old... one minute left. So I'm going to move on to the ugly quite quickly. Sligo could not feel the team due to COVID last weekend, or sorry, yeah. this weekend rather. As a result, Galway will play Mayo, because um, Mayo obviously won today. Galway haven't had a game in since the league, and Mayo are now three weekends in a row playing a game. So, um. One GAA is a mess, and number two, um, who has the advantage there? Um, it's 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 an ugly story, and it's ugly because if Mayo do lose, they have a garage of free card to cut wine about yet again. Um, as fucking all it's well, the loser is Sligo. Joe Biden, loser Sligo. So they've got one win. The son of Balanat. Sorry, Sass Sligo. Loser Sligo. Um. They had seven players test positive for COVID, I think. But they said they had the players in the squad to fulfil the fixture and they wanted a crack at Galway. It comes back to something I, I said a couple of weeks ago about League of Ireland games. It sure does, coach. <laughs> it, it sure does come back to that. A full fucking circle. We might just change this to the... It should be cancelled. To the It should be fucking cancelled. To the, bus, the, the Busted Roundabout podcast is what this should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, look. like it's. I think that is just that just screams why it should be cancelled. Um, who I'd give the advantage to? It's it's hard to say. Um, I seen uh, myself and Sass were already talking about this off air this this afternoon. Um, Joe. put up a fucking 
painful piece about Mayo there. Um, but one of the headlines was Killian O'Connor was in no mood to miss. To which my answer is, he's in no mood to miss until it matters, and then that fellow will miss. <laughs> Interesting fact, though. Oh look, I'll hit you up with. If Mayo win the Connacht kind of Championship, it's the first one in five years. I'm going to Connacht Championship 2015. There you go. And it, it, God knows it's an incredibly hard provincial championship. It's probably the toughest one we've got. You know, New York there, they're always difficult, difficult task. Mm. London, London. They're just, they're insufferable. They're, they're just terrible. Like, um, a good mate of mine is a Mayo fan and it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. You tend to go, it's you just, tend to go it's missing just, when there's a fixture. Like, yeah, it's broke, just like, constant. Like, it, yeah, like it, there's, Talking like you can't be going on about bleeding dropping trophies and you're not the reason you're not winning is due to a curse. The reason you're not winning is because he's aren't good enough. Mm. He's haven't been good enough for any of the finals or semi finals that you've been to. And let me tell you, is it moving further away from being at the level of good enough to win it than closer to it? <coughs> Look, no this this conversation makes me angry. Go on, Doctor. Yeah. I think uh I think if anything, Mayo will be buoyed by the news that Kerry are no longer in the championship. Yeah. And they were supposed, supposedly one of the favourites to the All-Ireland. Outside of Dublin, they were the favourites to kind of beat Dublin to the All-Ireland this year. Uh, but they were beaten actually tonight in extra time by Cork. So Yeah, last kick of the game. Fair play. That has been this week's Good, Bad and the Ugly. Perfect. Thank you. Excellent stuff. Now... Have we any have we any questions this week? We do, but we have one thing but prior we've two fan questions, but prior to that, we've the doctor's orders. Doctor's orders. Silly me. <laughs> How fucking rude of me. Obviously the doctor Please. was doctor was, he, he still thinks we're the three busted bar sales. That's what Yes, he's he's counting. I would I would never forget you, brother. <laughs> Don't you ever worry about that. So I suppose coach. Yeah, look, start you know doctor's, the, the doctor's time is expensive, so we'll start your clock now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thank you very much. So uh, this week I'm going to be going somewhat around the world to many different continents to uh, just run through a couple of odd and bizarre rules in sport. So the first one is from uh, Major League Baseball. Don't know much about it, just look this up. So ambidextrous pitchers we all know what ambidextrous means yes left-hander and right-hander so the player can't go pitching with both hands he has to inform the ref or the umpire or whatever is officiating the game which hands that they intend to use and they have to stick with using that hand and can he switch between games or uh, between games yes but not switch between hands in the same game mm, okay so um, I wonder if injuries affect that now that's um, I think if it's a pretty obvious injury, an exception can be made, yes. But I'm not familiar. I'm sure it has happened where someone has switched hands before, and that's why they probably bought the, brought the rule in. But I'm not familiar of any recent um, incidences in which the player has been called on the other. Um, so yeah, ambidextrous pitchers in baseball got to use the same hand. Do baseball match. team managers just on that do baseball team managers then pick batters in order to face a right or left handed pitcher 
I'd imagine, yeah, they're imaginary. They must do. That would be uh, quite tactical, yes, but I, I don't know, to be quite honest. Not going to yeah. beat about Baseball. the bush. Baseball's getting a lot of love here yeah. today for uh, a podcast. Yeah. I'm going to get myself of, a Dodgers jersey after this. Four lads that have no idea what the fuck's going on in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've watched um, Moneyball. Hey, <laughs> everyone has watched Moneyball. It's one of the best yeah. movies ever made. Yeah. The next one is quite a, a funny one. Now, bear with me because it'll be quite controversial as to whether uh, you would class this as a sport. I think it is, in theory, classed as a sport, but I'm not sure how we feel about it. Chess have an anti-cleavage rule. So, in the female sport of chess, if an opponent deems... Uh, if a player deems their opponent to be having too much bust out, they can report it to the ref and have them expelled from the game. But it, but it's not enforceable in the male game, so I may have a massive opportunity no, so there. <laughs> unless you're like... I don't know, we're in a jockstrap or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, here, ref, this is a bit too much exposure. I want him suspended from the game. Some religious um, ground. Yes, yeah, so I think they have like this two-button rule where you can't have more than two buttons <laughs> at the top, bizarre. pretty much. Mad and bizarre. Next one, hold on to your hats, people. In tennis, uh, if a player's hat falls off during a serve or a turn, the opposing player can call for an obstruction. And it was an example of this, uh, Andy Murray and Thomas Birdike. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But in the US Open in 2012, I think it was this could have been the quarterfinal or semifinal. And, Burditch uh, is the name. Bur- Burditch. Burditch. Thank Burditch. You. Thank you. Uh, Burditch. Um, yeah, so basically Andy Murray, was, Andy Murray was having like a point winning or match winning serve, but his half fell off. But Burditch uh, clearly could not get to the ball to return it anyway but he called for an obstruction and was Andy Murray Scottish He's, or British at the time um, he would have been British I at this time he would have been British at this time yes yes get that in every time he's mentioned yeah yeah. it's important it was the semi-final and centre court at the US Open yeah um, yeah so hold on to your hats <laughs> next one right so this is kind of a bit odd and I'm hoping uh, one of our Obvious members of the panel will be able to answer this because my interpretation of the rules when it comes to fouling players is that the ref can only judge what's going on above the surface. So in water polo, as obvious as this is, you cannot grab a player by the scrotum. It's an offence and it can lead you to being removed from the game. Now I don't know if there are different rules in water polo around the, the world in different countries that it's played in. But yeah, my interpretation of the rules is that the ref can only judge fouls that he can see above. So you can kick the shite of each other underneath the water. But if Vinnie Jones would have been a fielder. Yeah, but if you're uh, if if you're grabbing someone or pulling them down, the ref sees whatever is coming going on above the surface of the water. He can only judge what's a foul and what's not. Maybe you can jump <laughs> in there, Derek. <laughs> I think. It's, I think. Knowledge? <laughs> I think it's it's very difficult to see a, a scrotum grab, <laughs> as you so eloquently put it. Um, just, just to make it clean, you know, scrotum. Yeah, a scrotum. Um, yeah, like it's it's like anything, I suppose. You can. There's Gaza was well known for now scrotum grab, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Or no, he he, he Vinnie had Jones. his scrotum. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. Yeah, but it was Gaza's scr- so, scrotum yeah. in the hand, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like. I don't think Vinnie Jones was sent out for that, was he? 
Beric, has your scrotum ever been grabbed under the water? That's a no comment <laughs> for me. I'd say, I'd say kidney jabs are a hoover now. They're actually quite... What I do know a lot of uh, players do is because their speedos <coughs> are so small and tight that they actually do a lot of pubic hair shaving so their pubes are getting cold either. Okay. But this is... Aquadynamic, what you call it? What's and what I believe is fact. What's the next <laughs> rule and regulation, please? Right, <laughs> from, extensive, from extensive doctor research. <laughs> the next rule is... Uh, right, in Aussie rules... Now, they may or may not have changed this, this law as it is in recent times, but as he rules, a team captain can ask the umpire to do a head count of the opposition to see if they have more than the regulated 18 players on the pitch. So basically what happens is uh, <clears throat> if a team captain asks for this, everyone gets pulled into like the centre of the field and the, the umpire or referee or whatever basically just does a head count of the opposition team. So their max is 18, and if they are seen to have 19 players or more on the pitch while in play after that, team captain has called that they uh, the team who calls for it can get a, a free kick but the opposition team can also lose all their points that they've scored up to that point oh. in the game so imagine being 50 points 20 up, up yeah. and then all of a sudden you're 20 20 nil um, and I told you to get off <laughs> told you to get off yeah next one is now I know I've mentioned this before which is still quite bizarre I think they should change it it's the Bundesliga mm. hat-trick rule kind of actually annoyed me when I found out yeah. that this rule actually exists. You remind me. Basically, all three of your goals must be scored in the same half and goals cannot be scored in between your goals. So Pretty this happened to Haaland and it happened to Sancho uh, for Dortmund last season in the Bundesliga. Um, and basically, they were kind of robbed of a hat-trick as we would know it in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. So good, good game them. last night as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, it ended up three two. Haaland and Lewandowski on Munich, the score. Their classicer, Munich and Dortmund. Their classicer, yeah. Uh, to Dortmund one or Munich uh, one. Munich, Munich. Um, um, <coughs> of course, this. Yeah, I've watched and the then German the... game since lockdown one, lads. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the player of the match award in La Liga. You remember this? I forget who it was. Born, uh, Barcelona were playing. But uh, Ansu Fati, he was only 17 at the time, couldn't be given the Player of the Match award because he was only 17 because the match day sponsor was Budweiser. But he turned 18 last week, so hopefully he'll get that one of the match. He's award. out injured now, actually. I think, isn't he? I think he's after his season. ACL. What did they give him then? A Capri Zone or? <laughs> no, they there. just they gave it to. Um... <sighs> Rack I forget who they gave it to. They, they gave it to someone else anyway. Um, that's that's no, I don't I don't like that. No, that's I, I not don't me like it either. But I think in terms of some grabbing, I'll take. But <laughs> give the young fellow a point. to Mister and Mrs. Fatty, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like why? What? What's the fucking? What's it's the, it's like on a not not to be making comparisons, but it's like on a. You remember the X Factor, and they had the extra factor, and if you were under sixteen, you weren't allowed on it because it was one after nine o'clock. Oh yeah. Bizarre. Uh, anyway, outside the watershed, was it? Outside the watershed. Um, another one, and this is there's two examples of this. Okay, so you cannot uh, if you're taking a penalty or a goal kick, kicking the ball twice is prohibited. 
So there was two oh, incidents of this. Mares, uh for a penalty for Leicester against Man City 2016 maybe or 2015. Basically he slipped on the ball and kicked it twice or appeared to kick it with both feet and it went in and it was disallowed. But then there was an incident. Uh, Joe Hart was in goal for Man City against QPR. And he was uh, he was taking a, a goal kick and basically kicked the ball. But as he did, he slipped and then got up and kicked it again. But it only went out as far as uh, Charlie Austin, who got the ball, put it in the back of the net. But then the ref called the back for the goal kick to be retaken. So he's disallowed a goal. And I think that game, if I remember correctly, ended 2-2. But it goes to show how inconsistent that rule can actually Is that the, be. That's not the... Is it Charlie Austin, the, the Park Life remix? That's not that game, no. What was that called? Um, no, that would have yeah. been when he was for Southampton, was it? Yeah, yeah but it, it is Charlie game? Austin, though, that you're yeah. you're on yeah. about the yeah. Park Life remix. Um, next one, referees cannot be interviewed. I think we had a discussion about this before mm. into when we were talking about a number of the VAR decisions. Mm. So, yeah, basically, I think the... What they use? Did you that? see? Uh, did you see this week's atrocity of VAR yeah. for Bamford. uh, Bamford's? Jesus! Oh, that Christ. I, that I didn't, didn't see. No, he put his hand up so, to call for the ball, and his arm was offside. That was calling for the ball. Oh that sounded like the start of Benny Hill there. Was that what you were going for? That's I got a special accent. I'm not getting off this point. I'm sticking with it. Some, uh, some, um, some pretty bizarre rules out there in sport. Plenty of bizarre rules. Um, but the, the Bamford one, like, it's getting to a stage now. I think this. I think we did say this um, originally. Like, it's 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 ruining the game. Um, the this like some of the the VAR decisions. Um, I think there was a fairly dodgy one today, if I'm in the Leicester match, not mistaken. Was it? was it Leicester or was it Liverpool? Was both both the, had very, very similar penalties. Both actually, both penalties. had very similar ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was the... I didn't see it now, I just seen it on um, on Facebook that there was a, a you know, the way Lad Bible or Sport Bible or whoever have it up and it's, oh, this week's VAR. But it's, it's every time there's... I actually think every time there's a game, it's just... I actually think the ones today with Leicester and with Liverpool were harsh, but there were probably penalties. And the reason for that is it's a player going to cross the ball, the fullback's running, his arm is, is in a 90-degree angle as if you're running, but it stopped the progression of the ball moving from the crosser to into the box. So I can see, yeah. it there. okay, it's harsh, it's not yeah. on target. Um, but yeah, go on, Sass. Can I bring up something? Mm-hmm. Is this scope for bringing back the greatest thing in association football? The indirect free kick. Because, and let me say this to you, there's been 40 penalties so far in the Premier League this season. Mm. We've not had 80 games yet. Like, you're guaranteed a penalty in a game, and it just it's taken away from it. I think if it's an accidental hand, it's an indirect free kick. If it's a deliberate handball, it's a penalty. Are we not bringing in another yet another That's decision probably, yeah, that yeah, has to enough. be made? But again, I just think... Again, yeah. <clears throat> I tell oh. you, no, the one, when you go back to that Bamford one, Patrick Bamford made a great point after the game that yes his hand was offside but he's not allowed to score with his hand exactly hmm. well ha- have I like I always thought I knew what offside was but I'm very sure I don't now <laughs> I, th- I thought when you're offside to be deemed offside it has to be a part of your body that you can physically score with 
So like chest your foot, your chest, your head. Like sure that like what's the you see so now we're essentially outstretching your arm. I did see the line was from his shoulder down. Mm. So was there argument that he could have shouldered the ball in? Could have gone full blown Ronaldinho. Done a done a bit of a, a battle of telly and just I don't know if you watched Match of the Day last night, but Lineker had a poll up on Twitter and his, it was, you know, should VAR stay or go effectively. And it's obviously here to stay for good, but seventy three percent of people said that it should go. I think in its current I think, phrase, it doesn't work. Yeah, we've we have this is a a topic that we talk about an awful lot, um, but I I think it should be like, like it's it just needs to be fixed. Like it's just so broken. Like it's there's the idea behind it is very good, but the actual the execution of it is is dog shit. Like, Until we hear referees' explanations, it's not going to make a difference. Like in d- I don't don't you try. No, I mean during the full game. circle again. No, no, here comes dur- the full the circle. Game, I think they should wear a mic. If they're not giving interviews, they should at least have to wear a mic. Yeah. Uh, now that's one thing I wouldn't. I have a bit of time for. Yeah, don't mind that the the rugby aspect of it. Like, I don't know if any of you seen the All Blacks and the Australian game. There was two red cards in the first half, mm-hmm. and yeah. the referee purely went through his checklist. He was like. Yeah. Contact with the head and the shoulder. There's no circumstances. Yeah, there's no drop in the player. Unfortunately, it's a red card. And while I looked at the actual footage and was like, that's a yellow card five years ago on both instances. I understand that he had no choice because that's yeah. the rules and then the referee is no longer the target. Yeah. Yeah. Rip up the rule book. Don't rip it up. Just adjust so you get more exciting games. Yeah, it's a product. Yeah. Product, gents. Yeah. 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 Sure, I went, I went through. I, I went through the the stats on penals and handballs a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And I think the most it's, 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 handball penalties in the last five years were awarded was something like twenty something. Twenty six. Proje- I think you remember you saying twenty twenty six. But now they're projecting based on current trends that there's going to be like over two hundred penalties and about 20. eighty to ninety are going to be for handball. Yeah, like, question that, for you, that's a problem, like, you know, yeah. that kind of... Just on your sorry, own, coach, go sorry, ahead. I have a question, just, you might not... Maybe the listener knows the answer to it. I was talking to Sash, Sasquatch earlier in the week. Johnny Giles was a player manager for Ireland, mm-hmm. um, amongst his clubs as well. What I want to know is if he was playing a game and got sent off, can he then manage from the touchline? Or is he banned from the touchline for the following week? So if Jurgen Klopp gets a red card on the, on the touchline, he's obviously not... He's in the stands the following week or not in the stadium, whatever way you want it put it but what happens if you're a player manager and you get sent off in player capacity surely it would depend on what role that you were sent off from yeah. sent off it's like from if if you were sent off from the touch touchline as a manager well then you're starting you're next in week. The stands. <laughs> yeah you're, you're starting you're manager from the pitch next week Maybe i would assume no it could be wrong listener input welcome yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> but rules and regulations yeah interesting topic anyway speaking of listener input I believe we have some fan we questions. Two quite good ones, and they're gonna likely spark a bit of debate. So we'll get to the first one. Um... All right, boys, it's Dave here from the Dagnem. Big fan of the show so far. Really good show. Um, just in relation to last week, uh, there was no mention of Sam Bennett. He was one the the green jersey there, the the Tour de France. Magnificent achievement for an Irish sports person. Um, didn't really get enough press. I just, I just want your views on, on, on him and why you didn't even mention him in, in, in the R Sports side of the year. You know, uh, 
Surely he must be in there with a with a shirt. What what was that gentleman's name? Dave. Dave from from, from Dagnum. Dagnum. I'm sure Dave is trying his bloody best not to uh, to, to call out Sammy an athlete from the United Kingdom <laughs> or maybe a, a British man. It sounds like Sean St. Ledger had a rough night, doesn't it? Yeah. Where did he <laughs> a couple of points for me. Um, I suppose we, we probably should have brought up Sam Bennett um, given the year we've had in terms of Irish sports stars. It was, it, was, it was a sizable achievement and it, it should be acknowledged. But <laughs> I suppose what it is great he's done and he, he's he won two stages of Tour de France, stick with stage 10, stage 21, and the green jersey for the sprint champion. And it's incredibly difficult to, to do Tour de France as a predominantly a sprinter. It's worth putting it in perspective, and sometimes we do lose to one of ourselves, and, oh, it's an Irish fella, and he's doing great. He won two stages, and that was fantastic. But that's out of 21. He wasn't the best Irish man on the Tour de France, because that was Daniel Martin, who finished 41st. And he wasn't the second best Irish man because that was uh, Nicholas Roach in 69th. He was the third best Irishman. He finished 138 out of 198 athletes. Some five and a half hours slower than eventual winner. Tad Edge, Podcar, may have butchered that. Um, in addition, Tour de France has lost its gleam. Let's not beat around the bush. It has been destroyed with drug cheats. And it's just not an exciting product to watch. Now, look, what Sam Bennett did, don't get me wrong, is fantastic. And it's a great story because he's 29. I don't think he came properly through the system to get here and didn't come through the right coaching channels. And it's phenomenal that he won the green jersey and I know all that, and he is. But you do sometimes need to sit back sometimes and say, is it acceptable to celebrate mediocrity? Dave from Dagnum, um, John from Dark who was on last week. If you just want to give him a call, uh, I think he might be at the ledge that you're heading to. No, no, and I, like I, that part, I probably came across a bit harsh, um, and I don't mean to be because it is a very good question. I, I, I like the bit we've gone with coverage because I know if Mark Cavendish did something similar or one of the British cyclists, they'd be praised from pillar to post. And and sometimes we are a bit weak at celebrating our Irish, our Irish sports stars. Uh, just sorry to cut across there, but I would. I know you're saying um, we're a bit weak in celebrating. The Brits are too much for celebrating. And there's a fine line between that as well. Um, Like, would you rather... I would much rather our athletes be... Maybe not under-celebrated, but slightly on the side of we're celebrating them less than going on this... Going on the whole BBC media tour of this is the year, lads. This is the World Cup. And they're knocked out in the group. It's not... Do you know what I mean? Um. Sorry, the other reason that I didn't mention um, Sam Bennett is because I don't know anything about cycling. Yeah, and that's fair as well. And and why do you not know anything about cycling? Because you probably don't care anymore because the Tour de France has lost its gleam, if we're being very, very, very honest. Or Dave is but, right and it didn't receive enough coverage. That's true too. And you got to look yeah. as well. Irish Sport and Calendar, Tour de France is what? Late June to mid-July. That's our peak gas season, so it's going to get limited mm. coverage anyway. <clears throat> it's also yeah, big time. It's also likely going to fall in the middle of a major football and championship, or it won't fall in the middle of an Olympics anyway. But uh, it would fall in the mi- in the middle of a major football and championship. So I, I do it does get pushed to the side. 
and I think it, it's a difficult sport to bring fans to because it is fellas on a bike and I know and, it's, and I res- well I respect the act and and respect the sport there's very little fanfare can be involved in it yeah I, I don't know how many people like how long is the Tour de France race what's it it's about 180k isn't it like yeah, just some well, of the races like-, like the winner completed all 21 tours this year Tad Edge Podcar, the Croatian, um, makes twenties. He's he's the superstar of of the Tour de France. He completed in eighty seven hours twenty thirty two minutes and five seconds. Like that's a fucking pilgrimage to be sitting through. Like, do you know what like, I mean? I remember sitting through it in Wexford one year when they when when it came. That was the Giro yeah. d'Italia. Mm. Mm, I think it was Tour de France. I think you'll find it was the doctor Giro can correct us later on the show yeah. maybe. But I think you'll find it was Giro d'Italia. Yeah, it was Giro d'Italia. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, and I, I, I do get where he's coming from, and I just, do you know what, I, I think endurance sports are always going to struggle to get there, like, like it, the Tour de France is one of those competitions that you don't realise how absolutely unbelievable you have to be to be the worst competitor in it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, like the CrossFit Games, like, you, the level of, the level of, like, how how good you have to be to finish dead last at, at one of these events is insane. Like, mm. And now having said that, even I know that about cycling. Like, mm. I'm not saying that your man Sam Bennett is a mug or anything like yeah. you. Or, I just think, I'm always going to say Katie Taylor, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you've realised this, but we since fucking we, season yeah. one, um, I have a personal spot in my soul for young Katie Taylor. And if the, I ever have... Yeah, the question came to us too early. It came to us too yeah, early. Yeah, the question did. That is, it's a yeah. December question, and it's something that's a, that's actually a, a an, an off air bar stills uh, conversation we had. Um, I think was it? Is that an off air yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we were all in agreement that the question was just it's it's just a, probably two months too early. Yeah. Just just to add one thing there, lads. Um, Sass, you want to get your facts right? Thirteenth of July, nineteen ninety eight. I visited oh, Enniscorthy. I thought you were on about the, the most recent thing. No, mate. Enniscorthy, that was me there. So I rolled. That year they completed 3,875 kilometres. <laughs> that was me, Enniscorthy. With me saying. Well, I, thought, was... I thought he's the culture of this whole setup. Don't problem, you be turning culture on me. Now. There was a Giro d'Italia here in 2014. Yeah. From yeah. the Giants Causeway to, to Dublin. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I thought you were. France. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah, and right, you know what? Proving your points. And you. you know what? Um, if if Dave from Dagenham wants to come back and say, "Look, you're completely wrong. I disagree," and you want to correct me, and everyone wants to, that's fine. Yeah. We're willing to be wrong here. Why not? But I'm never willing to be wrong. Oh, I, but I'm oh, willing well, I to am. debate a man <laughs> because <laughs> you have to be pragmatic and say, at the end of the day, we're just arseholes with microphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're correct, but I would like to know, as Dave is from Dagnum, um, what his opinions are on Katie Taylor. Maybe if you could send us something in next Sunday morning, would be fantastic. As Katie fights next Saturday night, I believe. Um, I, f- so I feel you're trying. It. Maybe he's claiming I feel, you're, I feel you're just starting. You're trying to ignite an argument here. I think. If, if, I think. <laughs> I think he's trying to produce the episode that will be the end of the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I feel you're trying to be spiteful here. <laughs> Anyway, we have another fan question, and we're, this is going to be quite a long episode, but this is quite an interesting fan question, so I'll just play if you know. You can't put a limit on class, mate. Hey, it's impossible. Quentin here from Balls Bridge. Just a question in relation to 
the Irish rugby team, they seem to be getting horrendous amount of abuse from some quarters in the Irish uh, society on Twitter. Ewan McKenna seems to be the main leader of that anti-rugby sentiment. Do you think that's a, it's fair that the, the Irish rugby team just get such stick? Uh, the, the, the criticism of them tends to be that they're bottlers at the, the highest stage. Do you think that's fair? And do you think that um, the Irish rugby team is a team that the whole nation can get behind? Or is it an elite sport and therefore not everyone in the country gets behind them? I'm willing to take a step back and let you, because I am obviously a rugby player, so I'm willing to, to let you give your take. But there is one thing I do want to bring up, and it's very important I bring it up. The person he's named there is Ewan McKenna. Once I heard that name, I switched off. Ewan McKenna is a journalist for the Irish Independent. And by all means, he won Young Sports Journalist, whatever, because of his book with Ushie McConville, the, the, the Gambler. But some of the rhetoric that can come from Ewan McKenna is sensationalist at best. And to put it in perspective, about three years ago, Shane Lowry had a big win. I can't remember what it was. But he was involved in a, in a light-hearted 30-minute interview afterwards. And the subject of Rory McIlroy bringing up uh, uh, playing a game of golf with Trump was brought up and he was asked would he play a game with Trump Shane Lowry in his brilliant way said look I'm not sure what I do I don't really want to give an answer because either way it's going to be wrong I don't think I could say no but I don't think I could say yeah either um, to which Ewan McKenna took to, to Twitter with a trade and said while he's happy for Shane his acceptance of fascism won't hold up as well as his name on a jug and when called out on this, he goes, he accepts and promotes fascism. This is a fact. So that kind of just gives you an insight into the kind of stuff you and McKenna puts out there. Um, not something I pay a whole lot of attention to. But interesting to know on the other aspects, what you guys would think. you probably go ahead here. I, like my level of rugby knowledge is fairly limited here. <laughs> I think it's I think it's only natural that if like your your team doesn't play well or gets a bad result, people are going to be calling you out and getting on your back. If your team are playing well, you're going to celebrate whatever success comes their way. That's only natural. But uh, yeah, like that. It's the same with any. It's the same with any team. Like whether it's football, Ireland, or whether it's fucking. Man United or, or Celtic or whatever like you're going to get on the team's back you're going to be like you know the fuck are you playing so shit for you blew it there goes the championship but then when you win you don't have a problem can I, can I possibly pose a question here Um, I would rarely watch any rugby um, unless it is Ireland playing Um, actually sorry I never watch rugby unless it's Ireland playing. Um, well, I don't know what year it was. Was it we got to the semi-finals of the World Cup? Would I be correct there? Quarterfinals. Quarter. Quarterfinals. Um, what year was that? Any uh, year. Every year. <laughs> we, every year. We go to World Cup. We get to a quarterfinal unless it was 2007. Um, or ninety five, we lost. It was a quarter. It's uh, every year, is it? All right. So, well, that show again shows the the level of of okay. rugby knowledge I have. Um, 
have we possibly set our national team expectations a touch too high? Would I be uh, yeah, off the I mark think, to say that? I think we're a little bit like just what you said earlier on the BBC about the English football team going to the World Cup in terms of our Irish rugby team. We probably set the expectations too high. We're a small island where rugby isn't like you know GAA is a dominant sport. We, it's, it doesn't have the participation numbers um, that is level to any sport. I'm sure Sasquatch has the figures of where it actually falls in terms of rugby being played in the country but um, <clears throat> in terms of think, field it, sports it's definitely four yeah yeah. but even in terms of sports <clears throat> weightlifting's ahead of it I think and golf so yeah um, swimming tennis I think is ahead Weight, of it but yeah. look um, I think we probably do uh, just to clarify on the we, weightlifting it's casual weightlifting it's not Olympic weightlifting just for yeah, what you call I, it. I, I think lads doing a few preacher curls like yeah. a bit of beach muscles yeah. kind of thing <laughs> Jim Goa I, I think we probably did give or sorry I think the public maybe did give the um, the impression that there was heat on the Irish team after the last couple of things but look they're getting older Conor Murray's getting old Johnny Sexton's getting old there's players getting old but just to bring it back to you and McKenna there's, he's got a tweet okay and this is from the 1st of November just to put things into perspective he writes 81% of the Irish squad yesterday went to private schools. Serious point, given every advantage at home to make it, but the problem is that they don't cut it internationally. Some other fields too. Take Dennis O'Brien in business or a host of politicians like Radker, Ryan and Coveney. And when someone mentions that we, you know, rugby is an elite sport, you know, in, in, in the country, um, his response is, but they can't cut it. So, but they cannot cut it when others don't care about who they are or where they're from. Connections and try to replicate on a level playing field. Like he, I don't know why he, he he always does this thing of trying to represent private school and 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 well, that's and rugby that's you McKenna's style. Like it's yeah. going back to the Shane Larry thing on fascism. It it's, yeah. he goes for the sensationalist. He 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 basically struck it big with the book with Oshima McConville, The Gambler, which was like mm-hmm. one word and it what like it was a huge book because no one thought that an intercounty Gaelic footballer would have a gambling issue and and it is a good read. I think when you get the chance to read it, but. The thing about rugby and elitism in this country anyway, it is, but it's not what it was. I mean, like you look at the Leinster squad in the early 90s, there was not a sinner from outside the, the, the schools in Dublin. The IRFU, the Leinster branch, they've done a tremendous job over the last 20 years. And I'll tell you something, there is two days for me in my life that I have genuinely nearly wept at being Irish. The first, well, uh, the second time was when we legalised the same-sex marriage vote because I was like, we're finally getting to a stage where we're looking towards a united Ireland as opposed to a uniform Ireland. And the second time, well, the first time, was when we played England in Crow Park and we stood in silence for the English national anthem. And I think on the back of that, we have definitely built into this as a national game. Um, don't get me wrong, the Schools Cup in South Dublin it's still producing the prominent players because the standard of the competition is always going to produce a higher caliber rugby player. But I don't think there's this whole snobbery aspect anymore of Southside Dublin and if you're not from Southside Dublin you can't play rugby for Leinster. Um, I think that is the IFU, the Leinster branch have to be commended for the work they've done in the last 20 years to make this more of a people's game. It's not really an elite sport in Limerick. It probably is shades of it. Like the shades of elitism in every sport like oh. There's shades of it in Gaa, like it's maybe not Dublin fans might be aware of this, but like in 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 more rural counties, clubs from the towns will think they're a lot better than than rural-based clubs and stuff. There is elitism in sport, and there always will be. But the Irish View have done an incredible job, I think, in the last twenty years, 
where the casual sport Irish sports fan will watch um, rugby and cheer for rugby and, and know a bit about rugby whereas they wouldn't before and that's my personal so I suppose to give, to give a staunch answer to Quinton um, fr- from the table are we, are we are we too harsh on the Irish rugby team definitely um, opinions yes or no well I think in terms of uh, success like the Ireland football team are not going to go to a Euros or a World Cup and win no but if they did Jesus no one would expect it no one would ever expect it we'd long for that Greece 2004 moment that just completely shocks the whole world yeah we need to hold something um been taken off as that <laughs> but but I think I, I think it is kind of an Irish thing though as well. I think it links back to like I know you were saying that we're like we do a lot of things good um in terms of support and sports. But I just think it's a real Irish thing to like like people love to see people not do well as well. Do you know that kind of way in the sense that like they love to give out about the, so they can the, bang out the the criticism. Yeah. Love to be yeah. there to knock you off the pedestal too though. Exactly and and these lads who would be first one out in Elvries getting their Ireland rugby jersey if they were to say win the Six Nations or um or, or whatever like win a World Cup or or something like that will be the same lads to be on Twitter or Facebook mm. or whatever you want to put up and and slate their performance or or slate whatever and I think it's it's just I think it's a real Irish thing to do. Like it, it, and it, it happens across loads of sports. Like, um, like say from from my side of things, like um, you, you I think McGregor's a great example of it. Um, like, <laughs> I think everyone on the panel here can can say that they've stayed up till five six in the morning with a shed load of cans with all your mates, falling asleep before the fight, <laughs> falling asleep before the fight, <laughs> um, for a McGregor fight. Um, obviously. He's probably not the best example here, but he's he's know what I'm talking about. Um, obviously his out out of competition antics, we'll say, um, probably doesn't make him the best argument. But let's just say on a specific on a on a strictly sporting front, uh, he loses to Khabib, and everyone, and then or even sorry, not, let's not even talk about the Khabib. When he lost to Diaz, yeah, the first the first fight, people are like, ah, that's it, he's out. Ah, forget about it. Ah, rematch, and like even. Like even leading up to his his fights before he lost, like when he was winning and everything, like people were like people are were giving it the ah uh, uh, this will be it you'll be found out now. Do, do you know what I mean? I just I, I just think it's a real Irish thing and it's a thing that we need to kind of get out of of like like we support to an extent, but then there's always those people who are going fucking like negative if you know what I'm saying we're an incredible country of bandwagoners yeah, yeah. thanks yeah. that's that's essentially what I wanted to say and he's just summed it up in but the, what I, I would say to Quinton is unfollow you and you know just don't yeah. pay yeah. any attention make make your life like 10 times less negative and just yeah. unfollow that bloke yeah. that bloke just needs to be like What's what's the word for it? Like just mute, muted. Like yeah. he's just he's just nonsense. He needs he's to get just... that that Twitter button that Trump's still getting. That the this is this yeah, may or may not be true. Warning. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just he needs to move to a red top. Yeah, I, I just I just think he's a sh- I controversial. I just think that bloke is a shy bag. Like yeah. he's 
just there's nothing. Someone get that Twitter handle. Get him in the episode. <laughs> yeah, bring him on. No, I don't want to talk to him. Um, I don't want to talk to him either. But I like, I'll give him a bit of lip. <laughs> as, as as I'm well known for lipping the the listeners on this podcast. I don't want to talk to him unless I can reach him. Put it that way. Jeez, actually, the incredible uh, country of bandwagoners doesn't really go hand in hand with Sam Bennett, really. But look, sure, we've said it now. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Well, if well, geez, yeah. Thanks, Quentin. See a Croatian man. Yeah, cheers, Quentin. Like solid questions. If you and uh, Dave, Dave from Dartry, Dave from Dagnum, no, Dave from Dagnum, Dagnum. Yeah, don't be trying to claim Sam Bennett as being English either. That's or, or Katie Taylor after next Saturday. Or, yeah. Saturday Especially Katie Taylor. And please don't send in a question next week trying to spark a, 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 an internal row between Barstow. I, I suppose, as harsh as this may sound, uh, we do always have the option not to play it on. We have a responsibility to our listeners as well as our Barstools not to incite hate. <laughs> I have nothing else to add gents I think that geez, that's, a, that's a long old we also Do- don't condone large gatherings or houses <laughs> at this current time yeah so, uh, but yeah I may have I may have suggested have such, cans by uh, yourself that's, yeah. that's all I can say or have just cans, sta- zoom with your friends and yeah. family or just stay hydrated at all times that's always good or, or stay hydrated but yeah. don't zoom illegal streams and share them with your friends mm. yes don't do that yeah either. Yeah, always pay for your uh, pay for your uh, sports. Yeah. Uh, wrap it up, gents. Oh, before we go, Ireland versus England this week. Um, oh, best luck bollocks, to yeah. We're going into an international break. Wales on Sunday as well. Another one. Can't wait. Oh, can't Masters golf. We can look forward to. I was, and as well as that, uh, Origin two is on Wednesday. Get that in there. Um, if any of needs login details, don't hesitate yeah, to contact I, the show because I, we're not fucking using them. I have the Watch NRL app and I think I can have six devices and I have one. And yeah. just hit me up. Anyone. Send it in the question competition. Win an NRL. Also. <laughs> could be worse. Yeah. Also, keep your eyes tuned to the Instagram because there may be another competition coming in the next few weeks. Yeah. Sweet. Christmas comp. So we call it. Uh, so we go to wrap it up, gents. Mm-hmm. Good. Take it Sweet. Away. Close it in. Sweet. Thanks for listening, as always. Um, yeah. I oh, no, I won't leave it at that. <laughs> we have been the busted barstools. I'm getting it now. I'm really just adapting to the busted barstools, not three busted barstools. Like kind of you know like when uh, Zuckerberg changed it from the Facebook to just Facebook. Very similar. Thank you, Doctor. Still refer to their Facebook by some members. <laughs> by L ones up and down the country. <laughs> who who are sick of nosy cunts on this <laughs> and want to be DM by their babies. Anyway, uh Ivan Berwick. The doctor has been the field or not field, the fountain of knowledge as he always is. Um Sasquatch, thank you. And coach. Smashing. Great job. Love you. We're best friends. <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Anyway, we've been the Busted Bar Stools. Follow us on Instagram at the Busted Bar Stools. And uh, thank you, man. Much love.
evening.